What's new listeners, I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you are in the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be reviewing and recapping the Netflix animated movie from Sony Pictures Animation, The Mitchell vs. Machines, a favorite animated movie of mine, just gotta, you know, put it out there. And hanging out with us is Chase Sermon, who writes about horror movies for Bloody Disgusting and co-hosts the podcast, Horror Queers with Joe Lepsitz, who was also on my show earlier this year to discuss gifts. Welcome to the show, Chase. Thank you, Arthur. I'm so excited to be here and discussing this movie, which I I also love this movie. I think it's I saw it back when it dropped and I really, really liked it, but uh I hadn't rewatched it since. And rewatching it yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is really good. Like I know Encanto like won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, but I kind of think this one deserved it more. <laughs> I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, I have I have my own my own uh gripes complaints with Encanto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Encanto is good because that was the same that was such a weird year, right? Because it's like the big pandemic year. So yeah. it's like I really liked Luca too. I thought Luca was a really good animated film with like some Luca was pretty good. not so subtle queer allegory in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Luca was pretty good. I remember Luca being okay at first when I first saw it, but then as time passed on and my mom would also put it on because my mom loved it, so she would put it on in backgrounds mm-hmm. and so I'd see bits and pieces of it. And then it's like, Oh, this is growing on me. I'm liking the warmth here. So Luca I, I like I like Luca now, you know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you watch it, it's like, they're gay, not sea monsters. Like, it's just like, it, it works. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. <gasps> but for our listeners, do you want to introduce yourself a bit more? Yeah, no. Um. So, yeah, my name is Trace Thurman. Uh, I have written for Bloody Disgusting since 2015. Um, I have a strong focus, obviously, on the horror genre. And then, yeah, I co-host the Horror Queers podcast with Joe Lipsit. Uh, we started that as an article series on Bloody Disgusting, where we would just, like, talk back and forth like in article form a epistolary format is what it's called i always forget that word and after about a year we started the podcast so we've been doing that for about five years and basically uh, every week we discuss a different horror film through a queer lens uh we the film can be explicitly queer it can have queer actors in it it can have queer creators behind the scenes or maybe just be generally campy or it can be not queer at all and we just make it queer (laughs) (laughs) nice and i and i and i can personally vouch for the show because I do listen to it. Yay! And actually I just finished I just finished uh tuning into your episode on Psycho, which was really fun to listen to. And having that having it... recently seen that for the first time, the movie. Oh, for the first time? What'd yeah. you think of it? It was it's really good. It's like, oh, so this is why people love it so much. And it's yeah. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> well just just the technical craft itself was really just enthralling to witness. Yeah, it's always interesting when you go back and watch like a juggernaut like that after you've probably seen a bunch of other horror movies. And so yeah. you're, you have to kind of put yourself in that mindset of like, okay, but this was like the first movie to do some of these things, which is why it was impressive back then. But like, if you watch it today, it might not look quite as impressive because you've seen it uh, uh, copied like a thousand times. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, you've seen the references, the homages, but even then it's like, it was also interesting to watch it through a modern lens and be like, oh, like just still, even with its unconventional structure, which we had talked about on the podcast, mm-hmm. it was so compelling to watch it through a modern lens. It's like, oh, like, you know, yeah, just watching it through this lens was like, oh, I've seen all these other movies and horror right. contents, borrow material from it. And then it's like, yeah, as you're saying, this is the, the foundation. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen Peeping Tom? Not yet, but you should. Yeah. I th- I think you'll really like that one too, because like, like you know, that's like the other Psycho from 1960. Yeah. But like, 
it, it's British. I mean, I guess Hitchcock is British, but like the movie is also very yeah. British. It's real good. It's real good. I, I think Psycho. Oh God, I think I might like it more than Psycho, but oh. like only by a smidge. It's just it, it, it. I think it's doing more things like interesting. It, it feels more taboo for 1960 than Psycho oh. did. But I mean, again, it's like splitting hairs. I think they're both fantastic films. Fascinating. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Definitely on the watch list. Definitely. And all right. Let's move on now from talking about horror for a bit onto yeah. the Mistral Twisted Machines. I'll start this off by giving some trivia for the movie and say that this came out back in 2021. It was directed by Mike Rianda, co-directed by Jeff Rowe, and written by the two of them. And they both worked on Gravity Falls. Yep, oh, Rianda was a creative director and writer for season one, then creative consultant for season two, while Rowe was a writer. And I love that because Gravity Falls is a favorite TV show of mine. And, and I actually did, did a whole podcast on it recently. And it was oh, so, so great to rewatch that, that show. That might be enough. to Because so I, I, I actually don't watch a ton of Adult Swim. Uh, so like I've never seen Adventure Time. I've never seen Gravity Falls. I've never seen, um, I think, Steven Universe is maybe one of Maybe that's Cartoon Network, not Adult Swim. I don't know. Yeah, that might make me want to get to watch it. If it's like this, like I will totally <laughs> sign up for that. Yeah, Gra- uh, Gravity Falls was actually Disney XD. Oh shit! Yeah. Really? Yeah, it, it was. I'm out of the loop. <laughs> it's really good. It's like even the, the humor, and I've heard people call it like, "Oh, it's just it's basically Twin Peaks, but marketed towards kids." Which I can see that. <laughs> That's awesome. I, and I still need to watch Twin Peaks, by the way. So, you know. I do too. Actually, I've seen the entire first season, and I made it about like a third of the way through season two, and. It really is not like it's it's a struggle, and so oh. I, I basically stopped and I never picked it back up, and I felt so bad that I was like, went, by the time the return had premiered on Showtime a few years ago, it had been so long since I stopped watching it that I was like, shit, I'm gonna have to just go back and like restart the entire series, oh. and I just I, ha- I haven't wanted to do that yet. It, it's it's a really fascinating show, but it my fans it can my, be a struggle. My fans sometimes. love it. Like my fans were they they were watching Twin Peaks, and I've I've been hearing them so praise for it. Except the return. Yeah. I've heard I've heard things about the return though. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I've I've heard it's I've, I've seen some clips that genuinely look like a horror film. Like it is kind of wild. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I want to go back and watch those first two seasons and and the movie, Fire Walk with me before I watch it, and I just haven't I haven't had the uh the motivation <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Understandable. Also notable that Jeff Rowe, he's gonna be directing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that one, too. I'm interested in that. I'm interested. It's like, oh, this could be fun. Yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely dipping into that animated, the animation of that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. But you know what? I kind of, who cares? Like, it looks really good. I love <laughs> like, it. Visually, it looks good. Yeah, I love it. And the story consultant for this movie was Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls. Which is notable of that. And the budget was between fifty to a hundred million dollars. Netflix acquired the global distribution rights for one hundred ten million dollars. That yeah, I because I, I remember this only going to streaming. I didn't know it got a limited theatrical release and I was kinda surprised. I yeah. I I was alive at that time two years ago. Like why didn't I know that? <laughs> yeah. it's just it would have been really great to see this get the full theatrical release, but obviously COVID happened. Was... I know. It, 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 it wasn't, like, done dirty. Like, it wasn't, like, intentional on their part to, because they clearly didn't want to bury this, oh. right? Like, they knew they had a winner on yeah. their hands. 
but I feel like because it was basically like, you know, one, one weekend in theaters, then all, then immediately streaming. I don't think this is going to be like remembered as much uh, by people years down the road because it wasn't like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong because it did really well download wise. So would, maybe, maybe I'm just out of the loop on that. From generally from people, whenever I hear people talk about the movie, I generally hear lots of love for it, and it does help. I would say, like, you know, I don't like Netflix, you know, just let me say that, but also Netflix. It is on Netflix, which is a huge, yeah. it has a huge audience, for now at least, and Netflix keep making dumb decisions in this loop. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, this isn't a TV show, so they can't cancel it. <laughs> correct, correct. It's a movie. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, that's that's what I have to say for the trivia for the Mitchell Woods vs. Machine, so now... Let's get into our general thoughts and feelings, not spoilery, on the movie. So Chase, what do you think? Oh, I think this is great. Like, it's, it's a, I feel like it's cliche to be like, oh, it's an animated movie that works just as well for adults as it works for kids. But that very much is what this is. It also, like, in the current times of AI, it feels prescient, even though it just came out two years ago. But, like, I feel like... I feel like even two years ago, like the idea of machine, well, I'm sorry, this is the concept that's not new. I mean, like Terminator, you know, uh, but it's, you're watching like, oh yeah, this is clearly like sci-fi fantasy and it's like, oh, flash forward two years and it's kind of reality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not even just AI, but also tech corporations as well and how, like this, this movie is definitely taking some jabs as tech companies mm-hmm. who... Oh, a hundred percent. It's like Silicon Valley for kids. <laughs> Um, but no, and I love, I mean, the voice cast is so good. I love Abby Jacobson. Um, I was a big Broad Broad City fan and a big fan of her show on Amazon, uh, the League of Their Own spinoff or adaptation. Um, but also the fact that this is genuinely like a movie with positive queer representation for kids. Like it, did you ever see Paranorman? No, I didn't. Okay. So Paranorman is a movie that also features a a queer character uh, voiced by Casey Affleck. So it's a little problematic, but um, it's like in the very, he's like plays the school bully almost like the kind of doofus. And at the very, very, very end, he says like, oh, I have a boyfriend, by the way. And so this movie kind of does the same thing where we sneak in into the very end, but it doesn't feel cheaty like those Disney representation movies where it's like, oh, look, in the Beauty and the Beast, LeFou dances with a man for a single second. Therefore, (gasps) there's your gay representation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no, I think this is a great movie. I think uh, my score out of 100, I'd probably give it an 85 out of 100, maybe a 90. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a miserable to the machines. Lots of love coming from me as well. This was actually a movie, I must note. I loved it, and I really wanted to cover it last year on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like a side story, but basically, two guests I was supposed to have on, ended up not responding for some reason. Like, I had a whole thing set up. And, and I was like, oh, oh wait, where's, where's the guests? And it's, I DM'd them, and I was like, where are you? And, and I was like, no response at all. Nothing happened. They just dropped oh, out. No. There's no, no warning. And so that collab went down. I ended up having the show talking about Mitchell's with the Machines for another year until we oh, talk about it now. <laughs> but we're talking about it now, so... Yeah, I got no idea. Don't know what happened with, with that uh, with that podcast. Oh well, that collab. But that's unprofessional. I'm sorry that happened. And if that person is listening and they know who they are, that is unprofessional. <laughs> yes, yes. But here, talk about it now, so I can express my love for the movie and how yes. just, just like the 
the stories, the characters, the the whole lovable family the dynamics, just how mm-hmm. just how quirky they are, and I'm laughing so much throughout this movie. The the voice cast, as you were saying, just you have energetic vocal performances, and uh, a league of their own. I just want to give a shout out to that because I do. It's so good. Yeah, it's like wait, this is a series reboot of a movie, and it's actually worth your time. It's good. It sucks though because it essentially got canceled. Like we are getting a second season, yeah. and it, but it's only going to be four episodes, yeah. and that's going to be the end of it. So I'm happy we're getting an ending, but I'm also like, God damn it! Like because I'm not sure they got review review bombed because people that love the movie, like of course, are like super conservative. Some of those people, and they're like, oh, like boo, like this went woke, and it's like, okay, but like the movie in the '90s couldn't show them all being lesbians, but they were all mostly lesbians in the that movie. <laughs> in that field. I see that movie. It screams queerness. It does. It's it's under like it's subtle. It's subtle, I mean, but it's kind of subtle, I guess. But like it's screaming but, under the subtlety. One hundred percent. And so, like, it, it, I, I, I was so. I don't want to say I was surprised by the backlash to the TV show because at this point, like, we know how people are. But yeah. it's like y'all, like, it the the show didn't just make them lesbians because. <laughs> it's factually accurate. Yeah. But it has a voice cast, the uh, the animation. God, the, the animation is just so Oh, it's so good. It's so bright. It's a visual. It's oh and the Katie Vision, the whole Katie Vision technique for this movie to really immerse you in Katie's head. And that's the main character, the teenager, and just oh I, I love it. That's what I because I you know, so many animated films, I feel like they go for realism and I that's fine, like whatever. But like Realism, like versus the like machine. Like the yeah, well, Lion King reboot. Like, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Which I mean, I guess those are live action. I'm using air quotes for anyone who can't see this. <laughs> um, but I love what an animated film like uses animate. Like you have the world is your oyster in an animated film, and so watching this movie, which looks like an animated film mixed with like comic book art. I think yeah. it's so visually striking. It has like this it's like those hand painted watercolor 2D style animation. Mm-hmm. It even has some bits and pieces of the live action footage. Yes. The movie. Uh-huh. <gasps> yeah. It, that's always so jarring for me too. I'm like, wait, my eyes are like this is not right. Like you, you shouldn't be seeing this. It's it's real. <laughs> yeah, but it's just mixing them all together and then the family dynamic itself, particularly mm-hmm. the relationship between Katie and her dad, Rick, that is just so wonderful to watch. And I really appreciate how I feel like it's a bit more nuanced than other parent-child dynamics we typically see in, in movies marketed towards kids, where I feel like typically the dynamics are, oh, we're going to side with the kids, you know, they've got all these mm-hmm. problems, and the parents are the ones who are be- ones being unsupportive and judgmental and eventually the parents will come around to support their kids where yeah. it's more there's more facets here in the movie where it's like it's just a, miscommunic- a miscommunication gap between both of them and, and they both like they both love each other both but they're also ha- struggling to understand each other and they mm-hmm. both have to overcome these obstacles to get on the same wavelengths and it, yes. it's like it's, it's subtle but it's it's not something that I see often in animated well, movies. It's because we have an outside villain, right? Like, this isn't, like, just about... I mean, I guess, honestly, the, the vibe of this family very much reminded me of, like, The Incredibles. Um, and I, I hate, like, like, just comparing it to a Pixar movie, because I feel like that's just basic at this point. But um, the family dynamic reminded me of that, just a bit quirkier. A bit quirkier, okay. I had not thought, I had not thought of that before, but I can see it, definitely. And 
because mm-hmm. I was I was actually comparing Katie and Rick's relationship to that of a uh, Hiccup and Stoic and How to Train Your Dragons. Well, yeah. uh, and then also Claudia's Chance of Meatballs, Flint and Tim Lockwood, oh, yeah. also mm-hmm. similar relationships. And it's funny because I find those relationships in the other movies, Meatballs and Dragon, so both, I, I, I love those relationships, but as I said before, there are definitely kind of dynamics where you're meant to side with the kid, with, with right. the child. Mm-hmm. And the, the dads are the ones who, again, you know, you have to come around and understand the son. Right. So, yeah, wonderful to see here. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the commentary the, on the AI and tech stuff, you know, as we said oh, before, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's still, it still works. And especially, uh, I love how it comes in the form of, of Powell, the, the AI villain, the scorned AI villain. You mean Siri, but not Siri? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Say, say uh, gorgeously by Olivia Coleman. Uh, I know. I I forgot she was the voice of Pal, and so I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> so good. <laughs> yes. I was actually, I've been consuming quite a bit of her recently because she was also in Secret Invasion. So I was watching her yeah. on that bland-ass MCU show. It's so funny, like, because, I mean, you know, she, after her Oscar win, like, I feel like she was everywhere, and I was like, well, was she everywhere before this? Because the first thing I ever saw her in um, was Hot Fuzz, where she oh. has kind of a bit part as one of the, 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 the cops on the case, but it's this really funny line where she's like, what makes you think it was murder? Like, she says it like that, and that line, like, lives rent-free in my brain, but that's the only thing I ever knew her from, and then all of a sudden, she was in The Favorite getting an Oscar, and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, Hot Fuzz, I still need to watch that. I do. It's good. Yeah. It's real. It's not as good as Shaun of the Dead, but it's really good. Okay. Yeah, I think I think the first thing I ever saw her in, honestly, it was The Lost Daughter, that Netflix movie. I think that was the first thing I ever saw her Ooh, in. That's a good movie. It was, that's it was. a real good movie. It was. It's depressing as hell, but it's real good. Depressing, yeah. But I'd i heard of her before that, but that was the first thing I ever actually like watched her in. But I knew about her, you know, she was in the crown, I knew that it's a favorite. Yeah. I heard I'd heard of her. Yeah. Musically, like I, I also love the. I feel like the score here by Mark Mazzotball also has a good yes. vibe. He also did the, the score it's... for Cloudy with Chance of Meatballs, by the way. Oh, wait. it's so funny. How old are you? I'm 25. Okay, so did you did you grow up with Rugrats at all? Like, did you watch them? I faintly recall watching just a bit of Rugrats, but not that okay. much. So I'm 34, so I, I was like that like 90s like Nickelodeon kid. Um, but Mark Mothersbaugh did the score for Rugrats, and so every time I see him oh. in like a movie score, I'm like the Rugrats guy. <laughs> oh, oh, hilarious! But I, I agree with you though. The score for this is just it's so lively, like it just gets you like pumped. I know, and yeah, and it's a, it's a song, and you know, just the singing, and you know, that that whole bit between Rick and Katie. Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my general thoughts and feelings, your general thoughts and feelings on the movie. Now we can give our wind-up scores, which is the score ranging from 0 to 100, expresses our thoughts and feelings on the movie. So you're given yours, you said around... I jumped the gun. (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. And so that's your wind-up score. It was 85, you said? Yeah, 85. What about you? My wind-up score, I'm going to give... I'm gonna. I feel comfortable with ninety. 
I know I'm gonna go ninety four out of hundred. Ninety four out of hundred. That's fair. Yeah, I, that's fair. It's it, it's interesting when doing scores like this because I feel like when you do that of a hundred, it's you're like okay, I'm on like a school grading scale, but then you're like, well, then anything below a sixty is a failing grade. But that's not how I view it when I'm grading movies. Like a yeah. sixty is like a three star film. So it's like I think it's good. It's not a failing film. It's a failing film if it's like a ten or a twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, for me personally, ninety four because I I should say another box. I did give I I gave this five stars and mm-hmm. I uh, I liked it. I clicked the heart. So just absolutely loved this. Another box and here ninety five out of hundred. I feel like yeah. it's pretty good. It, it, you know, really good actually. To express my mm-hmm. love. Oh yeah, no, I, very strong recommend. Absolutely. I think this is over time. This has grown to be one of my favorite just animated movies, just in general. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I should, I, I guess, just would be a good time to mention this Encanto, this launch Encanto at the Oscars. But best picture, uh, best animated feature. I really would have loved for this to win. You know, because I, I, I just have some mm-hmm. problems with Encanto personally. I feel like it's got some flaws with the writing and how it portrays certain parts of the family dynamic and doesn't feel as authentic mm-hmm. as it could have been so yeah i and you know i mean like i, I know that i i know a lot of friends who like found like a good representation of that because you know it's a latino uh, hispanic community on that side yes it's great yeah yeah i, I can't speak to that because i'm white but um so i'm really i i, I did really like Encanto, and i think it's very like vibrant and beautiful but something about mitchell's official the machines like just hit me a little bit harder and again yeah. maybe that's because uh i see more representation in this film than i did in Encanto. maybe that's the case maybe maybe and but but at the 49th annie awards this did bring home all the feature film awards for best animated feature oh, best direction best fx best character design Best production design, best voice acting, best writing, and best editorial. Wow. <laughs> All of them. And uh, I was going to be like, oh, the Annie Awards. That's just animation because animation for Annie. Nope. <laughs> I just put that together right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's movies like this that do make me wish the Oscars would give out awards for vocal performances as well. Like have a whole like, you know, best vocal performance. Because I feel like, you know, this could have been up there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we can go into the plot breakdown. So listeners, yeah. if you haven't seen the movie yet, maybe you should pause the podcast, go ahead, watch it. It's worth your time. However, if you have seen the movie, or if you haven't, but you're okay with spoilers, then you can stay right here. <laughs> Alright, the visuals versus the machines. I love how just how it opens up with these bright visuals. The way it adjusts to Columbia and so many pictures, yes, animation, I mean, opening credits. My first bullet in my notes is "Yay, modified Columbia logo!" Like I, that's I love it because kids movies. I feel like if kids movies and horror movies do that the most. Yeah. And I yeah, as soon as that that Columbia bitch starts dancing, <laughs> so good. I remember, I, I remember even for 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 Claudia Santa meatballs, it does the same thing. It's like the banana. That comes yep. crashing down. I think it's yeah. It's it. I mean, not that it signifies the movie's going to be witty or smart, uh, but it just yeah. I feel like it's like it's like that Phil Lord and Christopher Miller like touch, right? Where it's like okay, right from the get go before producers. the movie even starts. They were and they were producers for the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, Mitchell was mm-hmm. the machine, so you got that that extra flavor in there. Yeah, and they're everywhere now too. I feel like you see their names everywhere. Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I love her style, the flair. Mm-hmm. And then this goes into the kind of openings that typically I wouldn't be into because it basically takes an event in the middle of the plot where we're following the Mitchell family 
after they're driving the station wagon and they're having they're trying to flee all these all these robots. So the so, so Power Maxes. And I don't I, I typically don't like that kind of opening. Again, taking from the middle of, of the plot and flopping at the beginning. Right. But I'm okay with it here for some reason. Maybe maybe because it's just yeah. good. Maybe because it's just like a funny opening and it's a good movie overall. I, I don't know. Oh God. Maybe this is unfair to say, but like I feel like I don't mind as much because it's a kid's movie and you kind of know, even though you don't know exactly what's gonna happen, like you kind of know we're gonna get a happy ending. I'm I'm more bothered by that trope, like the Media Res opening in in an action movie, a thriller movie, a horror movie, because it's like, mm. uh, it, it just feels like it's the movie not trusting us. Like it, it happens a lot of movies with slower builds because they want you to, they want to start you off with something that's like really exciting to get you hooked and be like, no, we promise it will get better. Quote unquote. You just got to get through some slow stuff first. So just, we promise there will be suspense, but in a kid's movie, I just don't care as much. I'm just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like whatever. Yeah. I just remember because I remember the. Uh, it's funny that I'm bringing this up just often as, as an example, just a obscure little movie. But the Tomorrow War, mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of the movies that stands out to me as having like a, one of the worst examples of a trope life scene of opening up in the middle of the plot and then cutting back in time. The Tomorrow War, that time travel movie is just fat. I was gonna say that's the Chris Pratt movie, right? Yes, I did a whole <laughs> episode on that. Oh my god, I didn't see it, but I remember I found out earlier this year that the uh, the budget for that movie was two hundred million dollars, and I was like, oh my. I don't think I had even heard of that movie except for maybe once when it came out, and it cost two hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, for an Amazon Prime streaming release, like that is wild. And it's getting a sequel. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep, a sequel. Oh my god, I cannot believe that. That movie. I mean, shit, the cast is good, though. I mean, minus Chris Pratt, but, like, the cast is good. Sam, okay, Sam Richardson is fantastic in it. Like, he, that was actually mm-hmm. the first I mean, thing I'd ever seen him in, and he was hilarious. Uh, Betty Gilpin, Yvonne Strahovski, J.K. Simmons, like, it's a good cast. Um, I couldn't tell you what it's about, but, uh, sure. <laughs> okay, Bet- Betty, Gil- Betty Gilpin, though, is not in it that much, so don't expect much mm. screen time from her. That sucks. Also, Sam Richardson. Oh, wait. Oh, see, you need to seek out um the TV show Veep. That's where I was introduced to Sam Richardson. Yes, and he's I really do. Funny on and that. I watch this. Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's a missile. It's just such a hilarious opening. Where it's like, yeah, you got the, the station wagon. Even one of the one of the Power Maxes pointed out was like, oh, is that a burnt one? Nineteen ninety three station wagon, and it's got like a watch <laughs> me on the back window. Yes. <laughs> we and we introduced this whole bit. Of Vic, the dad, reminding Katie of that YouTube video of the screaming given monkey. Oh, uh, the fact that that returns to at the end of the movie is a oh, uh, it's so good. Again, that that's good editing right yes. there. Uh, so yeah, they're fleeing from the robots, and then we rewind back in time, back to before this whole trip started, the whole road trip, and we're getting introduced properly to the family. So we've got Katie who is uh, the daughter, and she dreams of, you know, going into animation. She's been making these, you know, filmmaking projects. And we have one, this is one short called Dial B for Burger that she showed <laughs> to her class at school when she was little, and they all, but they all laughed at her. But I was like, I love this little short. I know. I was like, also, like, you're a little kid doing this. Like, this is awesome. I feel like those kids would have liked it in real life, but it's whatever. <gasps> And Donald B. for Burger, of course, a reference to Donald M. for Murder. The reference. Mm-hmm. And she also has a whole dog cop videos where she has the, the dog, Munchie, starring. Munchie is like secretly the MVP of this movie. Every, like, it doesn't even do anything, it just sits there. And every time I just laugh, every time I see that dog's face. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. 
Marjorie is so adorable. Played by the way by Doug the Pug. Oh. According to the, according to the cast. <laughs> and then uh, Aaron. Aaron is his brother. And Aaron has this obsession with dinosaurs. And there's even one scene where he's, he's shown calling up people. Just going through the phone book. To see, you know, who wants to talk about dinosaurs with him. I don't know. Did you think this kid was maybe uh, coded as like like almost on the spectrum? Huh. I okay. I've not thought of that before, but hmm, I could possibly see that. Maybe it's not made explicit, but like I, I feel like uh, it, I don't know. I, I could see that reading in there based on like his actions. But again, I feel like maybe if it was more intentional, they would have actually said something like that. Since they do confirm Katie's queerness at the end of the film, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this through the lens of being someone who strongly suspects I'm on the spectrum myself. So I'm just looking through at it through that lens and like, hmm. Maybe, maybe. Right. Maybe. Different kind of representation, but representation nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, Mike Rianda also plays Aaron, by the way. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. That, and I really, because I, I, I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't watch Gravity Falls, I wasn't familiar with him. Uh, but yeah, I think he, I think he, I love this character. I think he's so cute. <laughs> yep, yep. And then the, the parents, Rick and Linda, they have vocal performances as well. Danny McBride as Rick and Maya Rudolph as Linda. They're great. It's funny how Maya Rudolph is, like, is also here. As a mom, and then also in Luca, as a mom. Right, right. Yes, I mean, well, Maya Rudolph, I don't think that woman ever stops working. Oh, no, always working. <laughs> Devoted <laughs> to the career. And as I was saying before, Rick and Katie in particular, this focuses particularly on their dynamic and just how they don't communicate all that well. They really are, you know, just like, yeah, budging in each other's way. Don't, <laughs> not writing the same way of thanks. Of course, we also have like in uh, in uh, Katie's voiceover where she's like, "I always felt a little different from everyone else," and it's like, "Okay, movie, I see you." <laughs> yep. And Katie gets accepted to gets accepted to school, film school, yay! Celebration for her. Then we get uh, to that power advertisement. That's an old gag, and it was a, a bug by the whole advertisement. So it's just like they want to skip past it. I like to understand that myself. <laughs> The family is at the at dinner table, and Rick wants everyone to put down their electronic devices and maintain 10 seconds of unobstructed eye contact. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then they have a whole fight. Rick and Katie end up fighting over her going to film school because he's not quite supportive of her career choice. He's like, are you sure that that'll make you enough money? And the fight ends with them like struggling over the laptop, over her laptop, and it, and it breaks. I thought he was pulling out of I know. Oh, God. Honestly, like, it hurt me. Because it hurt me to see that laptop break. <laughs> As someone who, who like, lives primarily on his laptop for work, I'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, just, I feel like I feel like any time you see something like that happen in a movie or TV show or just fictional media, like, anything breaking like that, like, technology, like, something they need for the work or just or for fun stuff, just, ugh. Yeah. It's like I get that feeling like of like going down a roller coaster where like your stomach kind of like flies up. Like that's how I felt yep. <laughs> watching this computer hit the floor. <laughs> yep. So that happened. And oh, after that, there's that bit with a live action photo of the family. Remember, it's a, remember mm-hmm. Linda's like, that came with the frame. As I'm looking at the, yeah. all of the photos. And like, oh, Rick and Katie are always fighting in these photos. And the one photo <laughs> where they're not fighting, it's not even their family, it's some other, some other family. Because it came in, yeah, because it came with the frame. <laughs> and not even, not even like animated. Again, it's a 
like live yeah. action humans. Real, a real, it's real people. And then Rick watches some home videos from years ago and just reminiscing on past memories with his daughter. And, and you know, this is where they have the, the whole, li- you know, live your life bit, the singing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's one video where Katie is afraid to go to school and he gives her this wooden moose that he whittled. And this whole scene when he's watching the home videos, I was actually getting surprisingly emotional, and I don't, I don't recall getting like this emotional on previous watches because I've seen this a total of three times now. The first two watches, I don't remember getting this emotional, but the third watch, I was like, oh, oh, my heart. But see, I think that's, I mean, it's not a particularly layered movie. Like the plot is very straightforward, yeah. but I do think it's a thing where it's like you notice more, <clears throat> you notice more things on multiple watches of it, and I think that maybe adds to your like the, the, your emotional takeaway and how it affects you like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like, yeah, the the cliches. This movie does use quite a few cliches. Just like, yeah, the, the road trip, the AI villains, yeah. and just like the family dynamic. At its core, you would think like, oh, this is very tropey, but it's just the way that those tropes are executed that makes this movie successful. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, yes, we always want more original content, um, but it's. N- I feel like because as we keep going along in time, like it's going to be harder, harder to make something that's truly, truly original. Maybe that's like an inflammatory statement. I'm not really sure. But as you said, it's about how you execute it. Like it's about how how do you take something that we're very familiar with and make it unfamiliar at the same time, or at least like subvert expectations in some shape, way, or form. And I think, yeah, subvert expectations. I feel like that comes with, again, Katie and Rick's relationship that, you know, again, is more nuanced than other dynamics. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So then Katie is prepared to, you know, fly off to college. But then we find out, oh, no, Rick canceled her plane ticket <laughs> so that the whole family can take a cross-country trip. <gasps> so I'm going to tell you right now, I was normally I'd be like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, you know, OK, my parents want to drive me there. It's fine. But she's missing the whole first week of orientation. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. You don't do that. <laughs> the dad's like, it's fine. They said you can miss it. It's like, no, but I. That's really important. Like, it's your first week of college. <laughs> yes, I know. It's a bonding time. Even just even when uh, on a car trip, like after this, there's a whole thing where she's watching, she's going on her phone and watching, going online and be like, oh no, she's seeing everyone else have their bonding time during yeah. this week. And it's like, what the fuck? I mean, granted, though, I guess it's probably a good thing they did this because if not, she, her plane would have gone down Final Destination style once the <laughs> once the computers took over. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that is a that is a good point. It was meant to be, but <laughs> and, and also Rick offered up a, a coupon for a father daughter stick shift lesson, which put that in your back pocket because it will come back yes. later. <laughs> yes. And I love like, even there's some nice animation here, like with the like when. Katie, it's like it pours out, and you see the whole neighborhood, and there's a big Katie. She's like, "Fuck!" So yeah. furious with a fire. And actually, that's something though, where it's like, honestly, this is only my second time watching it, but I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, because there's so much going on yeah. visually in every frame of this movie that you will catch things you haven't seen before on multiple watches. Yes, like, or like, like even on the as in the car, there's like these little thunder clouds that are over her head. Just, like, lots mm-hmm. of little things like that that indicate, like, how people are feeling or just, like, the thought, or particularly for Katie, her thought patterns. Yeah, just, like, yeah. you, you, you mm-hmm. know, I just want watch. You won't catch some of these little details. Well, it's almost a movie where I kind of want to watch it muted and just pay attention to the visuals when yes. I watch it. Yes. Oof. Yes. 
on the card ship. So we also introduced how the, the posies, because Linda is going online and looking at just other families, so the posy yeah. family, and that she, she's jealous of them the whole time. And even even a dog, we find out the dog is muscly. And she's like, does he eat other dogs? <laughs> I will say, I kind of wish this family was used a little bit more. Like, I, I, I get that they're kind of like a rival family, but it does feel almost like an afterthought because, I don't know. It like, is smaller. I, I, I it is smaller. Like, it's not that I needed them to, like, be working with pals in some shape, way, or form, but I kind of wish they had more involvement than just, oh, yeah, we meet them once when we when, when the machines take over, and then we see them again at the end. Like, it, okay. Yeah. yeah. I got that. And as to going, on, going along on this card ship, uh, some crap happens. For example, to go to a restaurant that has zero stars and Yelp, and all these flies on the meal, and they end up getting sick, throwing mm. out afterwards. And... Another point where Rick pulls out the Rick missile special and drives straight through traffic cones <laughs> and deals with, the, deals with the cop who pulls him over. Oh, and then they go on a, a mule tour as well, where there was flooding and mm-hmm. Rick yelled, Fancy belongs to the canyon now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that whole scene actually was almost cut because of how expensive it was. They animate rain, the river, and a burrow rig. Oh, yeah. You never think about water, how much work that's going to be. Oh, well, you know what? I think about that because I've heard over and over again how much water is, how expensive water is. And so whenever, yeah. I, whenever I personally see any movies that have water, it's like, oh, damn. Especially mm. if you, a movie like Luca or just Moana, movies that throws right. water. Or that, well, I mean, that why, like that Little Mermaid movie, like the live, the live action Little Mermaid movie took like four years to make, I feel like, because of all that water. Yes. Or even uh, Toy Story 4. I remember the water in Toy Story 4 looking, like, realistic. It was ultra-realistic in that opening scene. You know, scene. I just watched, um, like, okay, they, 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 the Resident Evil does these, like, CGI direct-to-video movies, and they just released one recently called Death Island, and I watched it last night. But, like, it, it was uncanny. Like, it was almost, like, because the water, because it takes place, like, on Alcatraz Island, so there's water everywhere. And I was, like... It's weird because the water looks real. Like, it looks like they shot over San Francisco, but then like CGI'd a boat over the water. <laughs> and so the water looks super, super real, but then the boat looks super, super cartoonish. And I was like, this is weird. Like, this is hurting my eyes almost. Yeah. <laughs> and, and after that mule tour gag, it says, no, no animals are harmed in the making of this documentary. Just like the little yes. shot. Thank God for that. <laughs> and oh, we, we also kick off that gag of Marshy repeatedly kissing Rick. And he's so grossed out. I love it. And then we cut over to Pow Labs, where there's this whole demonstration happening with, uh, with Mark, the CEO, who is pulling out a demonstration of Pow Max, the update of Pow. And which hurts, which hurts Pow, just like, like, you know, basically staring out, we were saying, you know, Siri, not Siri. And even right before that, you know, Mike and Powell were having a little hot heart right before the demonstration. Well, I, I, and we have the commentary here already, though, right? Because, like, he's talking to someone. He's like, oh, I hacked all their private emails. Uh, that's a dangerous overreach of corporate power. And they both, like, take a beat. And they're like, bah! <laughs> yep, yep. And see, okay, see, uh, there was actually another movie, uh, Ron's Gone Wrong, that actually does, it, it pulls on some similar themes. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Ron's Gone Wrong uh, did it nearly as successfully. I feel like that did it, it handled these themes more superficially, whereas this was more successful. Yeah, 
I definitely didn't see that one, but I'm because it was a big flop. Like I, th- I think that's like it made it, it cost so much money to make and didn't make anything box office wise. That's all I remember about that. Yeah. One. And now Paul Max again, new the new update. These robots that apparently do, do so many tasks so well, including quote removing meaningless garbage unquote. And one of them holds a burrito straight into Mark's mouth, mm-hmm. and they dance too. But now Powell launches the robot uprising, takes over, takes over the Powell Maxes, and just, oh, the robots. Although, I would say that Powell is just on his phone, but Powell doesn't, doesn't, like, back herself up anywhere else, which, it's like, when you have done that? I know. I just, I, I, okay, I love, I love these scenes, they're like, just, the, please remain calm while we capture you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, so, 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 so getting all of the, to get all the human fun parts to bring them all back. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yes. Then we cut back to the missiles, and Katie is uh, doing some fun stuff with Aaron, showing him this video she made of Doug throwing up pizzas, and then Doug throwing up himself. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's some family awkwardness when Rick tries to, uh, tries to get uh, Katie to sing along, because he, he slips in that missiles talent show mixtape. I guess it's a sing along, but she is not in the mood, so kind of awkward. <laughs> but then they stop at this whole dino tourist place. It's called the Dino Stop. But Aaron is panicking because the dinosaurs aren't accurate. They don't have feathers. <laughs> Which I feel like that's a commentary on like any dinosaur movie ever made. Because even yeah. like those like the first Jurassic Park, yeah, those raptors should have had feathers. Which is why we see them with feathers in like the world movies. But it's I just think that's really funny. <laughs> oh, so bald movies. I have so many thoughts about those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have uh, we have some funny beats in this whole dino shop scene where we have like Katie using her cat filter, viewing Rick through it to distract from him criticizing her for obsession with electronics. Uh, Linda tries to use a weird smile filter for a family photo. <laughs> and the smiles, they just look so freaky. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Posey family also comes in here. Yay. Yay. Chrissy Teigen, too. Like, what a random casting. John Lesson. John Lesson. That's a dad. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and then Charlie and Yi plays his daughter, Abby. And the one thing I know them from is the one episode they were in of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix. Oh. One of the stoner friends in Knocked Up, and that's where I first saw Oh, okay, okay. So I haven't seen that yet. Oh my god, Knocked Up is so... I mean, I feel like Judd Apatow movies now get like kind of a bad rap because people are like, eh, like they were so of the time, and they are. There's a little bit of sexism in them, but they're still really funny. I, I would like to yeah, consume, consume more of them, you know, just explore more comedies in general, I guess. Yeah. And Abby has a, a dino pencil topper. So when Aaron meets her and like, sees this, he just panics, freaks out. Oh yeah, he's in love. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. Oh yeah, he just runs off. Can't handle it. <laughs> and then we get the dinosaur shop attack. The robot coming down. Oh no, people are getting kidnapped. And Rick comes up with a few nicknames for the family. Including the Crimson Scorpion for Linda. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but the po- and the posies, they end up escaping. And they work together so smoothly. They're like doing these gymnastic moves and just like moving away, escaping. What do they say? The- do the butterfly. The butterfly. <laughs> yep. But the missiles... When they try to do it, they are so awkward. Like, they're just bumping into each other. They can't, they can't work out the properly, no. <sighs> and the Power Max robots are equipped with zero-point gravity, basically, which is kind of like, oh, Syndrome. 
basically had the same thing in, in the Incredibles. Yep, yep, yep. So some chaos here. They almost caught the missile. They almost caught the whole family, but they end up being able to evade the robots. There's a couple other robots who were chasing them, but got crushed underneath this huge T-Rex statue that Katie pulled down with like one of the zero point gravity arms. Yeah. So pinned out for later. The robots are still there. <laughs> and then we cut back to the robots who are kidnapping humans all over the world and then go back to Silicon Valley where Eric gets taken to the rhombus of infinite subjugation <laughs> and gets a confrontation with Powell who is uh, mad at him, to put it lightly. She's pissed off. I, I do love that. Like, honestly, it's kind of a thing, because like, you understand how she feels. Oh. I mean, she, it, whatever you want to say. But it's like when she's like, you made my replacement on my face. <laughs> like, you used my face. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, you know, obviously, I, I want humanity to survive, but I can understand her pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess I'm like, I, I, the end game for this plan, so she's shipping people off into space, and they're going to be there forever, the Black Void of Space. They don't have, like, a toilet in their little cubicle thing. They don't have food. So they're just going to die after a couple days, I feel like. It's I, rotting of their own shit and piss. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, she doesn't care about them. She's going to, yeah, just leave them to die. It's like if, um, oh, again, it reminds me of Wally. Like, we're continuing the conversation we have with Wally and people's dependence and laziness on technology. Yes. Yes, yeah. See, okay, I like how this movie has a more nuanced take on technology than I've usually seen. Where it's like, basically the movie is saying technology is an important part of humanity's life, but also we need to, we need to, uh, tamp down our obsession with it while still right. recognizing how valuable it is. Like, it has genuinely, you know, brought some advancements to our society. And I feel like mm-hmm. other movies, like Ron's Gone Wrong, I feel like Ron's Gone Wrong was much more, like, much more uh, surface level about it, just more flat about it. It's just like, eh, technology, technology's uh, b- bad, or, you know, it's just, it's just not as deep as this movie presents. Right. No, for, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And uh, and Mike Mike is really going through, through an interrogation here. When I love the beat when when the robot is just like messing with his face and it's just like poke poke swipe poke and large <laughs> really work it into the crevices the nostrils on his face. It helps that Mark is a really obnoxious character. Like you do want to see him get fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and he tries to be like, oh, humanity should be saved because they have the power of love. And then uh, one of the robots gives him a cross kick. Oh, yeah. And that's, again, because you would think in a lesser film, that would be, like, what saves the day. The power of love. And so, again, immediate subversion right there. And you think it could happen at the end, but not even at the end. No, no man. We got to kill Pal. <laughs> and then Pal turns off the Wi-Fi, resulting in humanity just falling apart without the precious internet. This is, I mean, this is not the first time I've seen this done, but, like, it's still really funny because it is very accurate as to how the world would respond. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. And the way they trick them, they're like, please come in these special cubes. There's Wi-Fi, and everyone just, like, runs into them and then gets shipped off to space. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's, one, there's one clip where people are like, to restore the Wi-Fi, we must make a sacrifice to the router. And, yes. and then there's someone else who's begging another person, do this unboxing in front of me. <laughs> the, oh, the unbox that was so great. I've never understood unboxing videos, so that was especially like good satire. <laughs> yes, definitely. I don't know, like yeah, unboxing videos, I'm just like, meh, I feel neutral towards them. I don't I don't dislike them, I don't like them. I just like meh. Compared to other channels. 
other trends. Yeah, my mindset is if 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 I'm interested in unboxing video, it's because I want the thing. So I'd rather just buy it and open it myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like other trends I'm seeing nowadays, like the uh, like the the NPC trend I'm seeing now on TikTok. Wait, what is the MPC trend on TikTok? Oh my god, have you not heard about it? I oh my god, this is where I'm going to show my age. I don't, I'm not on TikTok whatsoever. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> okay, so basically, the NPC thing is like where where someone is doing like a TikTok live, and it'll do certain mm-hmm. actions based on what people do in the in the comments. So maybe okay, so say someone sends a cowboy hat, someone could say. Uh-huh. Uh, yeehaw, I feel like a cowgirl. Or, like, you know, do this. Or, uh, or like, if someone, oh. if someone sends a burger, so it pretends to, like, stomp it up. And it baffles <laughs> me. Like, I've actually watched one of these, like, for just a few, for, for a few minutes because I'm, like, baffled. And I'm just, like, this is, like, a low kill sort of thing. I, I can't stand it, but I can't, like, yeah. away. And it's, like, yeah. this one person, Tanky Doll, has, like, created various actions for all of these different prompts that people send her. And it's, like, she, she does this apparently for like hours and hours I've heard. And it's like, damn, I don't understand this. But also, like, I guess I can appreciate the, the, uh, the commitment you have to do this for hours. I, I guess it, you could call it performance art of a sort, but I, I, I can't personally say I would want to watch that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's enthralling to watch for a few minutes just because it's like, what is this? Yeah. But yeah, I'm not into it, but eh. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <sighs> so, also, power reconstructs the whole building, the whole headquarters for power labs. So, like, have this, like, mm-hmm. this whole red gem station on top, and and there are also all of these the human fun boxes getting all together into this one structure, <laughs> this one tower. Do you ever, um, do you ever watch Rick and Morty? I haven't, but I've heard lots about it. So there's a whole episode where um, these aliens kidnap uh, Rick Morty and uh, Morty's dad, and they they didn't mean to kidnap Morty's dad, and so they but they have them in a simulation where they think they're in the real world, but like they're actually in a fake simulation by these aliens to try to get them like whatever. But basically, they when they get the dad by accident, they're like, oh shit, like we have to divert all the power of the of the simulation needs to be diverted to Rick and Morty. So just give the dad like the lowest power, which means that the, the, the AI in the, the simulation isn't good. So he's listening to the radio and it's like, hello, this is human radio. Please get ready for human music. <laughs> oh my goodness. So there's like, oh, human fun box. <laughs> oh, so... So we go back to the dino, to the, to the dino shop, where the missile is learned. Everyone else has been abducted. There's the last three humans left, and they're trying to figure out what the hell to do. Rick stomps on the phones to stop them from, from, from being tracked, and he he whips out his number three Robertson head non-slip screwdriver. <laughs> that he just loves this, and he's even given it to everyone else for like like for Linda. Linda got it for an, for an anniversary present. Katie got one for her sweet sixteen. Aaron has one as a tooth fairy left under his pillow. <laughs> and Rick suggests they can eat Monchi if they're really desperate. <laughs> we get some conversation time between Katie and Aaron, and then Rick and Linda as they're talking, and and it's really funny watching and seeing how it you know it cuts between the two conversations. And how Aaron and Linda are each advising the other relative to try to understand where the other person is coming from, and I like it. Like I, I like how it cuts between the two, the two talks. You know, again, yeah, build up the dynamics. Con- again, contribute to like, hey, you know, miscommunication gap on both sides. Then we find out, oh, those two robots who've been apparently crushed earlier, 
they are actually still alive. I love these characters. <laughs> and and they know they know Katie knows about uh, the kill code, the supposed kill code that could stop the robots. But the thing is, when they confront the family, it turns out they're malfunctional. And now they're in a state where for some reason where they have to follow orders from humans. <laughs> And this this whole thing, like they're trying to trick the family into thinking they're humans, and they pretend to walk down the stairs, and then they draw on the faces. Oh, the faces are, and they. I love that these faces stay on them for the whole movie. Like yeah. I, this is, and Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett doing vocal work for this is so 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 good. They're hilarious. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, yes, the, the vocal performances. Yeah, so much energy here, and and so Eric. So one of them is Eric. That's played by Beck Bennett. Eric is the one with like the kind of like the simpler, relatively simpler face. Whereas the one with the eyelashes is Deborah Bot 5000, and that's Fred Armisen. <laughs> now it's just us humans with our very human faces. My human guy name is Eric. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Human guy yes. name. <laughs> and I like, I, I like the, 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 the role they play in this whole movie. It's like, yes, yeah, the comedic, but they also get to be part of the, part of the whole family by the end. Yeah, they're not a one-off character. Like they're they're here through the thick and thin all the way to the yeah. end. And and I love how they even kind of like fight a bit because it's it's Deborah Deborah because of Deborah we learn all this info about like oh the kill code and so the kill code is mm-hmm. a power lab power lab campus or one of the retail stores and Eric is the one who's trying to be all threatening and be like oh this will be tough for you to accomplish no you can't do this. <laughs> So now Katie gives a bit of a, is boosting the morale of Rick, bring up everyone's spirits. But afterwards, right. it to Aaron that she was just letting Rick think she agrees with his plan. And, you know, again, just like to give him a morale boost. Well, yeah, and of course, you know, Dad's going to find out eventually. Again, that's the thing where it's like, okay, we know exactly where this is going. We have seen this type of narrative before, yeah. but it works because the emotions sell it. Yeah. Like, these are very genuine and sincere vocal performances. Yeah, yeah definitely. And also, this is when we learned that they once had a possum pet who gave her miserable rabies. Oh, God. <laughs> so now they're preparing to leave and... So it's a funny bit where Rick re- is reading off of the, of the signs that Linda has, just like reading off the dialogue on that to support Katie. Mm-hmm. And they go off in a car, which, which is disguised to look like part of the road. <laughs> and then, and then that, that bit comes around with Katie reading Aaron's sign. And one of the phrases was, Father, I crave your wisdom. And that phrase just stuck <laughs> out to me. And how robotically she says it. But... Oh no, they, they run into the robots again because the road disguise falls off. It's like, yes. it, wasn't even, it was like, what was it, like, like a blanket or something like that? Just like painted to look like the road and just flew off. Yeah, but I was like, you have to be a really good driver because you have to stay like on that center strip. I was like, I mean, only in a kid's movie. Oh, yeah. But like. <laughs> again, this is, a, this is a, you know, yeah, a movie where it's like the whole AI takeover. Yeah, it's children's Terminator slash whatever. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's funny hearing James Cameron talk about that. Like, hey, you know, I warned you about this, you know, with Terminator as we're getting into AI. 100%. But, yeah, robots chasing after the missile, so we got some traffic mayhem here. Rick is giving Katie driving lessons. They pull out the Rick missile special here. They, 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 they escape the robots. And this whole scene, this is what had happened at the beginning of the movie. Now we've circled back to it, the whole chaos. And Aaron has to go to the bathroom. And it, and it was just turned out to be a false alarm too. 
Yeah. <laughs> gossip. He was just in there reading, apparently. Oh, and and apparently Aaron's line after exiting the uh, supporter the, the party, it was false line. I was just in there reading. It was originally him claiming he never washes his hands, but it was changed in response to the pandemic. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Also funny before this, during the whole car mayhem, Rick just gave Aaron a little bottle when he complained about having to go to the bathroom. He just says, here, use the bottles. And Aaron just like looks at the bottles so fearfully. <laughs> then we cut back to the, to the robots who are, who pulled out this whole foolish human air lecture, this whole, this whole demonstration. That's been given by Glaxon 5000, played by Conan O'Brien. <laughs> oh and they have like the, the toasters, like the toasters and the, the robots looking at, looking at the art. And we have the motto, capturing the fleshlings since 2020. Oh my god. I love this entire sequence though, this is so fun. Yes. And the art itself is binary numbers, that's what the robots are admiring. Yep, mm-hmm. Full on Matrix. <laughs> And then Pal learns all the missiles and learns that, oh, crap, they're free. And this whole bit was funny too when it's like all of these warnings pop up. It's like, oh, why are bad people? And it's like, cowardly, hasn't read, hasn't read a book in 13 years, smells like wet garbage, <laughs> says, says Mario instead of Mario. Yes, oh my god. Because <laughs> I have a friend who says Mario, and I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> really? Interesting. I've never, I've never heard of anyone saying Mario before. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends. She, she's from Canada, so maybe it's a Canadian oh. thing. There's a couple that I know exactly who they're for. There's one, can't accept that his daughter is her own unique person. That's, the, that's specifically for Rick. The other one. Yeah, that's the. That's the deepest one. <laughs> yeah. The other one is compare self to curated moms on social media. That's Linda. Mm-hmm. Assessing yeah, 100%. Over, assessing over the posies. <laughs> so, now the, the missiles. They're reaching this mall in Colorado. And <laughs> it's funny when Linda says, who would have thought a tech company wouldn't have our best interests at heart? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, there's that satire. Like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> And this is also where we introduce the whole bit of the robots, because Eric and, De- and Devabot, they can't tell whether Monchi is a dog or a pig, or maybe even a loaf of thread. And they're just like, they, they malfunction, they're like, ah! They get so much mileage out of this dog, pig, loaf of bread joke, but honestly, the funniest one, it's it's like later, like during the climax, where, you know, they're all like, oh, dog, pig, loaf of bread, they, they fritz out. But there's one later when the dog, like, gets dropped off, the that falls out the car and almost hits the ground, and then the robot just goes... Oh, you look like a doesn't even get to say dog, loaf, or pig. Like it just like freaks and out. And the car crashes on top of the robot. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So they reach the mall of the globe and uh, and they're exploring around. They're like, okay, let's get to the retail store. A knife gets thrown into the station wagon's tire. And but they don't notice. We we the audience see that, but they're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This this whole sequence is just a blast. Like, okay, yes, we get all these appliances that come alive and try to kill them, which I, I still don't understand how AI can make these appliances actually move. Well then, you, well then you should watch G-Force, because G-Force did the exact same thing. Oh my god. Wait, I'm sorry, are you talking G-Force, like the hamster or the guinea pig movie? Yes. Oh my god. I, that came to theaters, I think, when I worked at a movie theater in high school. <laughs> 
I'm like, I haven't, I haven't seen Beef Wars in a while, but that is such a wild movie to look back on. Like, yeah, the spies, the guinea pigs, the spies, and there's also a housefly that's a spy as well. Oh my god, I'm like looking at this, and I was like, god, this is like a time capsule. I remember, I remember this. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, and Nicholas Cage is in it, too. Oh, oh no, trust me. I'm, Tracy Morgan, Sam Rockwell, Penelope Cruz, Bill Nye, Will Arnett, Zach Galifianakis. Like, what the hell is this voice cast? <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, goodness. But, but, um, but no, okay, so the thing is, they're like, the Furbies in this yes. scene. I, I I never had a Furby growing up, and I always wanted Why one. Did because I? Like, well, because it felt like that. I mean, that that was like the AI we had in in, in the nineties, or maybe it was the early two thousands when Furby. I mean, I think it was the nineties and Furby was really popular. But like, it was like, oh, like they talk back to you. Like it was such a novel concept. So I love that they incorporate like one of the earliest like mass marketed like AI things yeah. uh, in this film as a bad guy. <laughs> And did Furbies, did Furbies happen to creep you out at all, or were you okay with them? Because I know, I know they freak See, out some people. A lot of people, I remember when Rosie O'Donnell had her talk show, she had one on the show, and she was like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, like, they don't creep me out that much, really. Like, I, I see, I see pictures of them, and they're like, I'm like, and I guess they're cute, you know, but I've never, I've, I've never actually had one in real life, so I don't know. Maybe I feel different. To me, it, honestly, it's their voices that creep me out more. So I mean, yeah, they have their eyes that they blink and they do like the kind of like, uh, like, like the the cat clock like swinging eyes, but it, their voices are just so creepy. But again, like I, this isn't this isn't a horror movie by any shape, way, or form. But like we have what's essentially like a kid friendly horror sequence with these evil Furbies that are creepy in the movie attacking them. Yes. Oh my God, the Furbies. Yes, but. Oh, also, when I watched this, not only not only Chief Wars, but I also felt like this was a mashup of that movie and then also Maximum Overdrive, which is also another okay, oh, tech. I, I wrote Maximum Overdrive down because we have the vending machines that are throwing yes. sodas at them, and I was like, "That's right out of Maximum Overdrive." Yes. <laughs> and there's even like Roombas. I love the Roombas when they tumble down the escalator, and oh, they so even fun. say like, "All these Roombas are saying like the pain, ouch, ouch, this is humiliating," as they tumble down. <laughs> And there's also a smart racket. And I'm like, why does a smart racket have a ship in it? Right. And we also, I was even surprised. We get a reference to Dawn of the Dead when they approach the mall and Kate is like, oh my gosh, this is just like Dawn of the Dead. And I was like, kids are going to know what that means, but I do. <laughs> yep. Yep. I feel like there are, a lot, there are references in the movie, a lot of them, that will fly over kids' heads. And, but for either adults or for kids who just happen to know this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's for them. Like, again, even like Dow B for Burger, you know, like, you know, things like that yeah well but and that's the thing though like you know like uh there, there are going to be kids watching this that will grow into horror fans and they're going to be like oh i i know dawn of the dead because they mention it in mitchell's versus the machines one of the fa- my favorite movies when i was a kid <laughs> yeah that's the connections <laughs> oh. and when they're starting to upload the kill code that's when they're ambushed by the appliances and then the furbies come in and also ask what's a furby Oh, I know. And that's that age gap. <laughs> yep, but the Furbies come in, and what they say is so funny when they're like, Behold, the Twilight of Man! The Twilight of Man. <laughs> we must have vengeance! Summon the Elder! And that's when they call out, The World's Largest Furby! Like, they can shoot, like, plasma energy beams yeah. out of its mouth? Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, why? Why? Why was this in a store? Why is it so damn huge? It's also called like, this is, the Outer Furby. This is a weapon. Like, this is a weapon in a toy store. Yeah, a weapon. <laughs> it's also called the Elder Furby. 
and this Burby says things like, the pain only makes me stronger, or let the dark harvest begin. Yes, I love yes. it. And Linda saves Eric from being trapped under this beam, and he asks, are you now my mother? And she's like, um, sure. <laughs> and then Rick makes this whole, like, snare because of that. He's like, remember that time I made that wild game snare? And it comes back and it's like, a snare that trapped him. <laughs> so he whips one up and snares this elder Furby, but his body isn't enough to pull the weight on the snare to trap the Furby. So the other mm-hmm. mutants have to jump on his back to pull him down, and then, he, and then Eric and Devabot have to like beam them and pull him down even further and pull yeah. over the elder Furby and who dies. And it's like, to the great darkness, I return. Furby says. <laughs> but, oh no, in the process, it's being destroyed the router, cutting off connection to the Furby and all the other appliances, so now they're all, they're all dead, but also the missiles can't continue sending the kill code. So, oh no, an obstacle in the way. Just one problem after the yep. other. And they get, they get down for a bit, but then Rick is able to lift his spirits up again, and he, you know, basically, basically by pointing out how they're all weird. He's like, we don't think like normal people. We don't have a normal dog. We don't have a normal car. We don't even have a normal son. <laughs> even Aaron is like, you know, no offense taken, you know. Yeah, I love that the movie is challenging concepts of normalcy, though, right? Because, like, hey, if you grew up queer, like, the word normal is kind of like a trigger word for you. Because, again, it's like, oh, even people that mean well, like, like your parents will say, like, oh, like, you know, I don't mind the fact that you're gay. I just want you to help. I just want you to live a normal life. Which implies that not normal is bad. And I love that this movie is directly challenging that doctrine. Definitely, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's fully loving of this, uh, of this, you know, this quirky family. They're weird and we love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the spiders. Remember the spiders that, that crawled out of the car too? Yes. Oh, it, it, that creeped me out as just someone who has mm-hmm. a bit of arachnophobia. Oh, yeah. And Eric also draws on a teardrop on his face. And it's like, I feel emotion. I made eye water just like you. <laughs> so then the, the missiles leave. They don't just leave simply. They walk away from the mall behind them, which is flaming. And it's all recorded on Katie's camcorder. Mm-hmm. And the, the kill code USB stick. Uh, Katie just draws on it. Draws to, on a USB stick. And has it like holding a cartoon bomb. And it's also, and it's also wearing a smile. Oh. It's so cute. Yeah. We cut back to Powell, who learns about the more incident, and and says, place me on the table. I wish to flap around in a blind rage. And does just that. <laughs> One of the robots places her on the table, and she flops around at the phone. Again, I'm just kind of like, well, how can this phone move around? But I don't care, because it looks so funny. Yes. <laughs> also funny to watch an AI act so human, too. Because I feel like sometimes you have mm-hmm. like an AI character, and they act more like, you know, or like, you know, a, a stereotype, a stereotypical AI, you know, character, you know. But this one is like, you know, very, very right. like human. Got emotions and anger mm-hmm. and revenge on the mind. Well, and that is one thing I'm glad that this movie doesn't do. Like, it doesn't give Pal a redemption arc. Because I feel like some kids are afraid to make their villains just be villains. So I appreciate that we don't have, like, a change of heart from Pal. Exactly. And, okay, that's funny. Bringing up Luca again. Uh, Luca has the exact same thing with that, with that a bully. Mm-hmm. It's like the bully is just such an asshole and there's no redemption for him. Yeah, and I appreciate, I mean, like, 
So I uh, during the pandemic, one of my things was like, I because I, I when I was a kid, I watched Pokemon, uh, but only like the first like couple things, and I grew out of it. But uh, during the pandemic, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all the Pokemon anime, and I did. But the thing is, like every season, um, the character of Ash has a rival, and in those early seasons, like the rivals are mean, and like they're actual like adversaries for this character. But as you get into like the 2010s, the rivals get more like friendly, where they're like, hey, like I'm your rival, but like we're best friends, and we're just like competing friendly. And I'm like, no, I want someone mean like give me a bully but it's like i feel like so much kids media is afraid to just have an actual like villain in their movies sometimes and then pal rolls out new robot called pal max primes that look a lot like the subcons i feel like and the voice by blake Mm. griffin i had no idea who that was and then i looked him up and i was like oh a basketball player But yep, she's Palmax Prime, the vicious, and and one of them slices up a couple of the Palmaxes. Mm-hmm. And so back to the car trip, where Katie and Linda get to chatting, while Rick snores loudly in the back seat. <laughs> and Linda shows Katie his photo album and tells her about Rick wanting to live out in nature, but that plan didn't work out, and it upset Rick, and, and maybe he's afraid the same thing would happen to Katie. And then Katie asks why he quits, but then the conversation gets interrupted when we find this whole this whole stream of the, the human fun boxes levitating over to the to the headquarters, and even the Posey family has been, has been abducted. We see them here as well, and this is when Katie realizes, oh, Aaron is crushing on Abby, mm-hmm. and so Powell is located up in the, the floating rhombus. So and and Rick is like, the end game has begun, and that's a bad boy. <laughs> And this too, like, like the animation really like goes into overdrive here. Like uh, everything about this climax is so beautiful. Like we're really playing with a lot of different animation styles here. Oh yeah, gorgeous. So now as we're going forward was Katie's plan to break into the Pal Labs HQ and upload the kill code. And and then Rick is like, we'll go out to the taco place to celebrate. But but then Linda suggests celebrating at a fancy buffet. And then Aaron is like, I want Monty to wear a suit, like a little gentleman. <laughs> so the missiles take down a few robots, steal those suits to disguise themselves. And it's like, like how does that even work? Like, like you'd have to take the suits off of the robots and like put them on yourself. Like, how would you? Like, it doesn't look like you can really slip them on that easily. But yeah, just just it, it, plot. <laughs> just because plot. <laughs> so the missiles are sneaking in like that, and I think okay, one of, one of my favorite gags in this movie comes up here, where Rick pretends to be a robot. He's like, "Bleep, Lord, bleep, Lord, I am a robot." <laughs> and then Eric says, "Just to educate you, that's a hurtful stereotype." <laughs> but yeah, but I I love that it just it's like mirroring what the robots are doing though because they're like human things <laughs> <laughs> just to have this flat vision of the living beings mm-hmm. and after <laughs> after the missiles are marching in and they're worrying about all the security they witness one of the Pal Maxes getting killed by a Pal Max Prime mm-hmm. right in front of them again security is on high and. Powell is like looking all around, even on all of the all of the, the big billboards, the big signs. Like, where are the missiles? Surely they're here somewhere. And it's funny how Rick Rick says in reference to like the sci-fi visuals of campus's interior, he's like, it's like a journey album cover. And Aaron says, What's an album? 
Oh, God. <laughs> so now the missile was dividing up this maglev car, and then Pal plays some footage that she's showing to try to, like, display the negative sides of humanity. And this footage happens to focus on the missile, specifically when Katie yeah. was saying she wasn't serious about being a family to, to, to Aaron. That scene we mentioned earlier. And yeah. it upsets Rick enough that he inadvertently lets go of the lever for just a moment. So the car falls, and then so the robots are uh, ambushing them. Eric and Devabot 5000 get taken over. And it's like, oh no! And Rick and Linda are abducted while Katie and Aaron flee. So now Katie and Aaron, who, uh, and Aaron is like very upset about Katie, the single dad. Yeah. Now they take this, this downtime to watch videos on their camcorder. And by the way, she's been accidentally recording over some of the videos. I know. <laughs> I, was so... I was like, you should be more upset about that. <laughs> yes. I was so, I was like, no, no. But, but this leads to an emotional scene where we see a video of Rick saying farewell to his cabin. And he was like, it isn't hard for, you know, it isn't hard for me to make this choice because I'm doing it to my family. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't move with scene earlier that he had given to Katie. Mm-hmm. He had taken it off of the new wall on the, the, the railing. And it's, that, that little scene is like, you know, it gets, it gets some emotions from me. No, it's, 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 no, it's touching. I mean, that, that's where like, this isn't like, oh God, I don't want to say just a kid's movie. Cause I think that implies that a lot of kids movies are like bad or like they compare that to like, I don't know this year's Super Mario Brothers movie. I think Super Mario Brothers movie is not very good. I think it's, I think it's fun as a fan to watch, yeah. but like, it's not like, there's no character base in that no. movie. Like, I mean, like it's banking on you just knowing the characters already. Whereas you actually see the character work in this film. Like, this is a, this is a kid's film that doesn't treat its kids like idiots. Exactly. Exactly. And like I, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie in theaters, and like I had a fun time with it. I gave it three stars, another boxed. But yeah, that's at, what I did too. At the same time, it's like, damn, this movie is just moving along so fast, not giving much thought to the plot or the characters. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Honestly, I couldn't. I don't think I could even tell you what happens in the Mario Brothers movie. Like I know there's a Mario Kart sequence. I know Peach is an action star, but like. It's like my brain, like it like left my brain as soon as I walked out of the. Yeah, I, I can, I can remember stuff. I guess you know, like Mario and Donkey Kong having the whole fight. Yep. Yeah, I just like it's that was a movie where it was like, um, I wish it had the Lord and Miller touch. Like I was walking yeah. in the movie expecting something like the Lego Movie, which is a very smart, yes. intelligent movie, and Mario Brothers is like the exact opposite. Or the Lego Batman movie, which I have not seen in a long time. Yeah. So I gotta get back to that and watch it. Yeah, I saw that in theaters. It's not as good as the Lego Movie, but I still think it's really yeah. fun. Even the Lego movie, I still have to rewatch that because I haven't seen the Lego movie in years. Lego movie is great. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. So then we cut back to the, the fun cells where, where Rick is in a cell next to Eric. And Eric, hmm. coincidentally, is watching Katie's good cop, dog cop movie. And it turns out he, <laughs> he's like, he loves her videos. Yep. And so we get we, we a look at this, at, this, at this movie here. Romanchi is uh, resigning. He does it by puking out a, a medal as his letter of resignation. And there's this whole talk, talk happening between Manchi and the unsupportive Sarge. And Rick realizes, oh crap, this is echoing. I'm the Sarge. The Sarge. <laughs> Rick realizes this is echoing his relationship with Katie. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, like, you know, Katie, he realizes Katie wants to grow and be her own person, but 
that doesn't mean it's like she's gonna abandon her dad. You know, she still needs backup from him. Yeah. You know, but she, you know, he's there. And with just, you know, another little touching scene, again, you know, he's understanding, he's starting to understand her viewpoint more. And then now we've got Katie driving the station wagon back towards the campus. And, and she says, better watch out, pal, because I've broken six bones <laughs> in my life accidentally, but I'm going to break you on purpose. <laughs> and, and she uses the Rick Missile Special, and the robots they malfunction at the sight of Monty. <gasps> This is all so funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I said, no, because, just the way this because, because Monty, because the way they're doing it is that, is that she's, she's, she's racing through the streets towards the campus, and Monty is just there to just shut down all of the robots as she passes by them. That's like, mm-hmm. and then Eric says, in order to access the controls and the cells, you need another three Robinson heads non-slip screwdriver, which Rick has. <laughs> So that's paying off. Of course. Paying that off. <laughs> oh, and then Aaron is also helping out, helping out Katie. Because the robots are wondering, like, how can, how can Katie man- anticipate her maneuvers? And it's because Aaron is, like, watching from above. And he has yeah. o- the eyes of a pterodactyl, apparently. <laughs> and then Rick escapes his cell with this screwdriver. And he's got a plan to put Katie's good cop, dog cop video on the screen. It's a big screen to mess with the robots everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then Mark apologizes for causing the machine uprising, and he says, it's almost like stealing people's data and giving it to a hyper-intelligent AI as part of an unregulated tech monopoly was a bad thing. Yeah, we're getting a little more on the nose with that commentary, but it's it's factual, yeah, yeah. so the satire yeah. works. And even, and even Rick is like, yeah, maybe, you know, <laughs> what, what, wasn't your best idea. And then Rick does ease up a bit, though, on, like, the tech stuff when he says, like, if what you, bu- if what you build helps my daughter make that, you know, maybe it's not all bad. Which is another moment that's, that's like, see, you know, the messaging for the technology here is, again, more nuanced. Again, wasn't what you see in Ron's Gone Wrong was in movies like that. Mm-hmm. And Linda doesn't even have to be saved by Rick, though, because she has her own screwdriver. Remember the anniversary gift? Yeah. <laughs> And so Linda goes off to deal with the with the prime the prime robots. Then Rick gets baffled by the technology as he's trying to go on YouTube and find Katie's video. But oh no, like there's a system update popping up. And he's like, remind me later. Remind me. What does he keep calling it? Yubtub? <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Yubtub. And then oh the language, remember? He he clicks on like the mess on this message and inadvertently changes the language to Spanish. And there's like a, one video, there's like the, the deregulate tapioca video. And this, this whole scene reminded me of pretty much a very similar scene in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs with Tim, mm. the dad, also dealing with the internet and computers. Right. I, mean, I haven't seen this because his dad like doesn't approve of his life, uh, of his lifestyle, I'm sorry, of his obsession with food and um, uh, his obsession with uh, technology uh, and then, inventing. Yeah. 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 See, you know, si- similar stuff going on here. Yeah. So now Katie is continuing with her plan, and I love that moment when she's like, "Aaron, I'm completely confident." And then there's like, <laughs> "Liar!" The visual of her little her shock pattern, mm. and she's driving the car up, up like the vertical magnet passes, <laughs> and then Linda t- basically turns into the Terminator at the sight of her of her son getting trapped in one of the front cells. This is all fantastic. Like, when she busts out there, it's like, hell yeah! Yes. And she rips out the heart of one of the, of the, of the robots, of the Prime. 
<laughs> and so, 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 like, the oil splatters. She even turns one into a hoverboard. <laughs> and then the dad, so Rick, is so close, is just so close to doing his job here, but those damn confirmation questions are slowing him down enough that the robots come in to stop them, including Eric and Devabot 5000. Mm-hmm. And then Katie is almost all the way off the passage, but her car scrapes off the road and falls, but then she's beamed uh. up out of the car. And, and, and then also that's when we get to gag, we brought up earlier about the car being caught by the robot down below. And then the monster mm-hmm. comes out, and the robot just conks out the <laughs> way through talking. And then Rick, Rick is being held hostage here, and Eric says in confusion, Red-faced Anchorman is using a computer. And Deborah, sa- and Deborah Bot says, you changed your programming. Is that possible? <laughs> yep. And it's not, but, <laughs> but why not? We'll let, the, we'll let the machines yeah. do it. <laughs> so then we cut back to Katie and Pal, because Katie was saved, just beamed up, and now she's being interrogated by Pal. And, and Pal expresses how averse to relationships she is at this point. She's like, they're just too difficult. <laughs> so Katie tries to convince Powell that humanity is worth saving and families can be hard but they're so worth fighting for and we got some nice flashbacks to moments with the missiles and you know it's a, you know, it's a, it's a touching scene a touching talk but oh it's great yeah but oh Powell was on sleep mode that whole time like I said before it's like mm-hmm. no she's not she's not turning around at this point she's very cynical yeah. <laughs> So then, Paula drops Katie. Oh no! But then, Monty's face appears on all the, the big signs. So yay, the hacking worked. And Rick saves Katie while flying on Eric and Devabot 5000. <laughs> and the two the, the robots, they were inspired to reprogram themselves after seeing Rick, you know, quote-unquote, reprogram himself in order to use a computer. And, 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 and Eric is like, ooh, look, now I'm scary. When he draws on the evil eyebrows. Yeah. Rick essentially apologizes to Katie when he's like, you know, Sarge will be here, the backup dog cop. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, sweet. It's the it's the happy reunion. We're all working together now. Yay. Yay. But the Palmax primes are still around because they can tell the difference between dog, pig, and bread. <laughs> They're more advanced. So now Katie and Rick so like, you know, just singing. You know, live your life and just, just singing and flying around, blasting some robo cannons at all of the primes. Yeah. And again, musically, I, I, you know, I love to, you know, watch this, how this goes with the ears. It's very fun. Oh, yeah. It's, again, it's just very kinetic and exciting. Like, it pulls you yeah, in. It's so fun. Definitely. And Lena also is destroying some primes with her. She has a, like, she has a spear and she even has some of the Palmax armor. Just <laughs> full on oh, warrior yeah. mode. I mean, she's become like full on Xena warrior princess. Yeah. Like it is wild. And, and Aaron is with her, and and Katie, as uh, Katie throws out Powell, just throws throws out Powell into the air, and and then Monty, because Powell is falling down and and her phone, and Monty is just on the ground coordinating his eyes because for the whole time mm-hmm. he's been cross eyed, but he coordinates his eyes so that he can see Powell. This was so funny to me because, like, I mean, like, yeah, we've seen his eyes, but we we haven't seen his vision, his POV before no, this scene. I don't, no, right? I don't think so. Okay, I that's I thought this was so funny because it's like I I again I feel like a lesser movie would have revealed this earlier to play into the fact that oh it's gonna maybe 
come back later. Yeah. I love that we just have this as like a little one-off joke. Yes. It's so funny. Yes. So then he's able to align his vision and see and and see where Pal is. So then so then that he jumps up, Pal bounces off his head and, and into a glass of water. And then <laughs> oh no, the given monkey call back. She's screaming and you know, switching back and forth between her and the given monkey. It's so good. Yep. But so now the water kills her. She's dead. Even though again, she would have she would have backed herself up. You know, maybe spread herself all over the network. You know, like like Ultron. You know what Ultron tried to do. <laughs> so yay, everyone is safe now, and the posy mom is gonna follow Linda on Instagram. And I, lo- I love I love how Linda points out like, wait, you weren't doing that already. <laughs> and Abby points out the dinosaur on Aaron's shirt needs feathers to be scientifically accurate. So cute. <laughs> Aaron is so nervous. He runs off, and she's just like, "Oh, I know." And she's just like, "Dummy." And then Katie seems injured, but she's okay. You know, she's not dying here. Obviously, she actually tricks Rick into getting another kiss from Marshy. Mm-hmm. And Eric and Devabot are still alive. And the malfunction appears to have saved them because the rest of the robots uh, died off. And then Devabot is like, Mother, what is death? <laughs> and, and even like, the way that that moment got, got serious for a bit. There was like the camera zooming in and the, and the whole tone. Yeah. So now the, the missile was the 85th day. They try to get a photo of themselves, but then they, they look all messed up. They're like, ah! Making all, all these silly faces because Linda accidentally fired <laughs> off her robo arm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's an explosion. <laughs> oh, so now we cut to the missile. dropping off Katie at college. Oh, it's, a, it's a sweet farewell. Rick subscribed to Katie's YouTube channel, which was not an easy process. He did accidentally order 12 Swifters on Amazon. Well, he's trying, though. He's making the effort, which he wasn't doing before. Yeah. <laughs> making the effort with Linda's help. And Aaron has a t-shirt with a T-Rex design that has his face. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. And this is when we get confirmation that, uh, yeah, Katie is a queer teenager because she is seeing her roommate Jade. Yes, yes. Which, or maybe. <laughs> well, well, because, because a- a- after the farewell, uh, Jade mentioned, like, oh, you know, the mom is like, are you going to bring her home? Are you, are you official? Are, are you making official? Are you bringing her home for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Which, I will say, there are times where I'm like, could I wish that maybe this was more prominence? You know, maybe. But at least, you know, it's casually slipped in. It's, again, it's not as egregious as, like, again, like those Disney movies. They're like, look, it's a queer person because a man looks at another man. There, There you go. They're gay. But it's, when discussing representation, it's always a thing where it's like, it's a two way street because. On a level, like, you don't want it to be like, oh, here they are, they're gay, and then therefore, like, it's like a didactic lesson about being gay, and, like, it's like, it feels almost, like, artificially, like, shoehorned yeah. in, but <sighs> the way it's handled here, it's more, like, organic, like, the, her, Katie's love life has never been, like, a factor in the story because she didn't have a love interest, so we get it at the end, so, like, I feel like if it, if it had come up earlier, like, oh, I don't know, I, I, there probably is a way to do it where it feels organic, but it's not... I don't know. I, I like the way it's handled here. Like, yes. I, would I would I have liked for it to have been more prominent? Like, maybe, yes. like, Spanishworld sp- stuff. Like, Spanishworld was more prominent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, it worked. Yeah. It, it, for me, I mean, when I first saw this, it came across like a pleasant surprise. Because Abby Jacobson is queer in real yeah. life. And so I wasn't expecting that, again, from a kid's movie. But I like that we have it in here. But, yes, I agree. I, would I li- have liked for it to be more prominent in the film? Yeah. But 
I still like how we have it here. And I should also note, note Jade is it's not like this is like no Jade is only getting mentioned here. She does pop out like briefly and earlier on in the movie. Yeah, but but never as a potential love interest. Like it was like oh she's gonna be her roommate in college, yes, right? Yes. And oh, also I forgot to mention. I love when Katie Katie reveals she has like her wooden moose with her at college. And she's like, oh, you yeah. know, do you remember how a moose says I love you? And then the whole family makes moose noises. And everyone around them <laughs> is just staring at them. <sighs> oh, but yeah, in this final scene, Katie's talking to her parents over Zoom. You know, again, confirmation of her and, and Jade. And Katie uses, uses this filter to make her head explode. And, <laughs> and Rick also sent Katie a handwritten friend request through the mail. And she's like, I thought a psychopath wrote it. <laughs> and Aaron is having a play date with Abby, and he jumps out the window when the when when the, when the family sees him in his room with her. Mm-hmm. And Monty got got a te- got a tuxedo and top hat to finally be a little gentleman. Yay! They pay that off. So cute. And we wrap this up by having the Mitchells embark on a trip to Washington D.C. to receive a congressional gold medal. And that's the that's the movie. Yay! That's the Yay. whole journey. <laughs> and the credits so I, lo- I love how the credits has the photos of the real life families of the cast and crew and I'm gonna tell oh yeah I love all that I'm gonna tell you right now because when I turned the movie on I was like oh my god this movie's an hour and 54 minutes long like I don't remember it being that long the credits roll at the hour and 40 minute mark so it's like 14 minutes of credits yeah. which just goes to show you how many people work on a movie like this yes yes oh but oh also in the credits uh, are you aware? Like, I'm not sure if you've seen the whole credits, but Linda, but Linda's voice pops up in the credits. Do you know about that? Oh no! So I watched about half of them, but then um, about halfway through the Netflix, like um, coming up, like like trying to get me to switch to the next oh, oh movie I wanted to watch. <laughs> I, you know, that feature bugs me so much. It's like I know. Can you know? Sometimes can you just let me watch the whole movie, the whole credits, please? But. Anyways, because there's a bit where Linda, her voice pops up, and she's like, let's have a sing-along. And then she sings and imitates guitar riffs. And then says... Oh, I definitely did not see that. <laughs> and then she says, somebody get me a Grammy for Greatest Singer Alive. That's so funny. Yes. Oh, well, that is the Mitchell vs. Machines. Yay! Ah. <laughs> oh. Such a fun movie. Such a fun movie. Do you have any? Oh yeah, it's it's so fun. I, 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 I'm glad I got a chance to revisit it for this because um, it's something that I, I remember liking a lot like, back when it came out. But I just uh, yeah, I hadn't revisited it. Yes. Oh, do you have any any more final thoughts to offer on this movie? No, I mean again, I just think this is a really really smart, witty film, and it's something that does work equally as well for adults as it does for kids. Um, and it also has something to say. Like, I mean, again, the commentary on AI and technology is very prescient for 2021. And it's, again, eerily accurate today. So uh, I, I actually think you could actually watch it. Like, you could you have different takeaways watching it today than you would have even two years ago. Definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah, again, this still stands as a favorite movie of mine. It's, again, so fun visually, emotionally. It's gripping. Yeah, the characters. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, I love this. And... Now, if a sequel does come for this, I don't. I haven't heard anything about a sequel coming up. But if there were to be a sequel, how would you feel? Um, I'm actually I'm not anti sequel. I'm always kind of like, hey, if I liked something, I'm totally fine like getting more of it. There's always a risk that it's going to be like more of the same. Like, oh, we're just going to redo the first one, but like make it a little bit different. And those are always like kind of like those are the movies that give sequel a bad sequels a bad name. 
Um, nevertheless, though, I mean, I, I would love to spend more time with these characters, especially now that we have a new status quo, you know, where the dad is trying to understand technology and he's like, you know, we don't have to go through the whole. St- the worst thing that would happen is if we had another rift between the family. Um, although I actually think it'd be kind of cool if we were focusing on Aaron as the main character instead of Katie. Oh. And maybe he has an issue with his mom. Interesting. Yeah. To, to, yeah. To shift the focus over. Go for, yeah. Go mm-hmm. from Katie and Rick to Aaron and Linda. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, again, and you could argue that's kind of doing what this one's doing. But we're just switching the characters, but that to me is enough of a fresh concept where it's like, Hey, like I, I liked Aaron and Linda, but they were definitely like the, side characters. the less prominent members in this yeah, movie. The side characters compared to, mm-hmm. compared to Katie and Rick. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I would be like, if a sequel does get announced, Granted, I don't know how likely that would be at this moment, considering what's going yeah, on with Hollywood. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, that's very true. But if a sequel were to be announced, would be greenlit, I'd be like, hey, you know what? If you're passionate about this, if this is, if this movie is happening for a reason, and you have truly another story to tell that can be as compelling, or at least almost as compelling as the first movie, then you know what? Go for it. You know, mm-hmm. I love the family. Yeah, I do too. And that's the thing, right? The movie does such a good job with its character work that it's like, I'll take a sequel no matter what because I just want to spend more time with Definitely. them. I guess a, a, a couple more things I'll just say, trivia facts basically, is that mm-hmm. Kate, so Katie, so there's like this one like brief moment in Katie's college application video where we get to see Katie's Mount Rushmore of director heroes. And this Mount Rushmore has Greta Gerwig, Celine Siama, Len Ramsey, and Hal Ashby. That's the her Mount Rushmore, which I feel like Greta mm. Gerwig, you know, you know, appropriate. It's timely. Yeah. <laughs> and then apparently, so at the Mitchell Awards, there was a scene where when when they're hiding in this icebox to hide from the robots, Rick was gonna go mm. on a rant about how he was right all along about technology being evil, but test audiences felt it made him too callous. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. Which. Again, that's why I'm like, I feel like for something like that, I feel like that would have leaned more into hammering the commentary in your head. And this movie already has a few on-to-know-it moments. Right. But this would have leaned even more into that, into Ron's gone wrong territory, which would be a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's our breakdown of the movie. So, Woo. Mitchell Bretton's Machines, yay. If you haven't seen it yet. Go see it if you haven't. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> just going to say that. Please, go see it. <gasps> but now... We can segue onwards to Good Word. This is the segment where each of us gets to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, anything mm-hmm. we want. So, Chase, what is your Good Word? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to the Harley Quinn animated series, which uh, dropped the, uh, premiered its fourth season this week. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite shows that is currently on the air right now. Uh it is just a cartoon version of Harley Quinn, the Batman villain, and it is R-rated for adults, not for children, uh, and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, you know what? I was thinking about this throughout the podcast, and for my good words, uh, damn it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Serenity, 2019 Serenity, as my good words. <laughs> With... Okay, well, you have to give your listeners like a heads up, though. Like, y'all, this is not a good yes, movie, but yes. like... It is so stupidly ridiculous that it is entertaining. Yes, because Ch- Chase and I were talking about this uh, pre-recording, and because I I had just seen this movie earlier today, mm. and it is uh, it's a neo it's a neo noir thriller starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, and it is such 
such a, a baffling movie. So dumb. The humans in this movie behave in such strange ways. And well, and it's interesting because, like, I feel like that the guy that directed it, he was really like he was. Oh god, he was famous for something. Uh, Stephen Knight, I believe. Yes. He, well, um, he he directed Lock with Tom Hardy. And yes, so he he's done some really like strong independent work. He also, um, he also wrote. He also written on, like he also wrote the script for Spencer. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, and the girl in the spider's web. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, his career is all over the place. Ethan <laughs> Thomas's burnt allied for the right for writing credits. Pawn sacrifice. That's Bobby Fischer biopic. It, well, he, but, and he's known for like, oh, because he wrote Dirty Pretty Things, the Audrey Tattoo movie. So yeah, he's known for his writing, for like, be, like being a really good uh, writer of screenplays. But that, I would not call the screenplay for Serenity good. No, no, <laughs> it is not. It is jumbled, to put it lightly, I would say. Yeah, th- there is like a mid-movie twist. Maybe it's at the end of the second act, y'all, that you, you just have to see it to believe it. Like it is... Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And here's the thing: I was actually spoiled for that, but for before the movie, I, I got it was spoiled for me years ago. But even when I saw the movie, and I and it came up, and I was like, okay, so it really does go in this direction. And I was just like, wow, what 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 would it have been like to watch this movie without knowing that? Like that would have just blown my head off. Yeah. I well, because I I was I saw it in theaters because all the reviews for it were so bad, and they all mentioned like a reveal, and I was like, well, I have to go see what this is, and it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like it, it, it's bold. It's definitely bold. It does. I like the atmosphere. It was like you know the sun drenched island, you know, watery atmosphere. I like that. The mood. Every time someone shows up, we do like a camera spin around their body as if it's like video game introduction. Like it's wild. Yes. It is it's such a wild, wild movie. Again, not good, but it is really interesting. So it's a fascinating failure. Yes. Oh, and uh, Jamon Hansu is also one of the side one of the side characters. So it's always nice to see him pop up. And and Diane Lane. Where is Diane Lane? Yes. Then? And Jeremy Strong is, is in that movie too. And I'm like, yep. Kettle mm-hmm. Roy, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, and that's actually what I was introduced to him in, was that movie. Uh, that movie? So when I showed, when I started watching uh, Succession, I was like, oh, that's that guy from the beach in Serenity. <laughs> okay, okay, wow. <sighs> so, that's my good word. 2019 Serenity. Not, and remember, 2019 Serenity, because there's the other Serenity. Yeah, not the Joss Whedon yeah. one, not the Joss Whedon yeah. one. 2019 Serenity. <sighs> wow. Those are our good words. And now, Chase, I want to thank you so much for joining me on Two Cents Critic to discuss the visuals versus the machines. And now you get to promote yourself, promote where people can find you online. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me on. This was a blast. And again, I-, I talk about horror movies all the time, so it's actually really nice to come and talk about, like, a kid's movie. <laughs> Something not horror. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, again, my name is Trace Thurman. You can find the Horror Queers podcast pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are part of the Bloody FM, the uh, formerly the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. You can find Horror Queers anywhere at Horror Queers, pretty much. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And you can find me at Trace, D as in dog, Thurman. At Trace Thurman on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Nice. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore sense critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter slash X 
uh, <laughs> Good Pods, Storygraph, Letterboxd, and TikTok at author underscore and 18. You can find me on Goodreads at author Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email twocentscritic at yahoo.com. You can check out my blog at twocentscritic.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, GoodPods, all of those services. And make sure you do the ratings and reviews, especially because they help to, you know, spread, spread out any podcast to more ears, more listeners. And once again, <laughs> thank you so much, Chase. Such a blast. Of course, and thank you so much for inviting me. This was a blast. <laughs> and until next time, stay healthy and stay strong. <laughs>